right, all right. We are live for another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Yo, Kings winning game one. We're here to discuss that and preview game two. Get in the chat, like, and subscribe. Let's go. Well, the Kings fought back in that one, boys. We're up one nothing. What a game. And we're about to show you the punch by punch here. Uh, not literally, but figuratively in this game. But before we do that, how are we feeling, boys? How are we feeling going up one nothing? Feeling great. Feeling great. I'm just uh, – it's – I got like 2014 vibes. Like I, I felt that once all over again. And I don't know if that's a good thing for my for my physical health, my mental health, but this is what we're here for, right? I'm, I'm loving it. It is not. It is not a good thing for anybody's health. I can tell you right now. I, I was funny. I was, Rando, I said in our group chat last night. So Kopitar scored to tie it, and I leapt up out of my chair and I was like, "Yes!" And needing to be quiet because it's twelve forty-five and a.m. And then immediately almost went into like, "Shit, this is going to overtime." <laughs> and I don't know what I'm going to bed. <laughs> like. I, I, I legit debated like okay this is game one you gotta you gotta be able to, to be here for the long haul like this isn't sustainable but I'm like it's game one I'm gonna I'm staying up for game one and it worked out yeah but it did I mean, work we're, out. we're watching it uh, my brothers and I are watching it at an apartment complex and you know we're only an hour behind mm-hmm. you right so it was yeah. I, it was way after midnight and uh you know the first goal that we scored, my brother was like, okay, yeah. Like we all screamed like, Hey, we're back in this. Let's go. And then he's like, okay, my neighbors, let's just try to be conscious. But on that Kopitar goal, it was F yeah, like just jumping up and down, giving each other hugs. And then the game winner was even worse. I was like, he's probably going to get a noise complaint. Well worth it. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Russ? You watch it from home or did you get head out? No. Yeah. I watched it from home. Um, It's weird because like I thought about it, like I never really, I hadn't really like leapt up out of my couch or like screamed, whatever. Pretty much all season, for for some mm-hmm. reason, I just kind of always felt like this team was like destined to go to the playoffs. So you kind of get this notion, like okay, win games, good. They're doing what they should be doing, and then once you get, four, to, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then once they get to the playoffs, like dude, like that Kobitar goal. I mean, I must have woken up everybody around around where I live. I mean, it's just. I don't know if I, I like I said it was 2014 vibes like Alec Martinez all over again. So it was crazy and the Iafala goal just the same. I mean it was insane win, insane. All that emotion can be felt. Uh, if you guys want to feel that, and other fans, uh, rusted a um, Twitter Spaces last night. It's up on our podcast. So you guys want to get all the fan and get all the energy. It'd probably get energy. It probably get you hyped for game two. Oh, uh, yeah. everybody is going on here. <laughs> Let's get to everybody in the chat here. Richie Rich coming in here. I'm so hyped. Let's go, boys. Go, Kings. Go. Brandon uh, Ramazetter. Hi, guys. Go, Kings. Go. Richie Rich said first time being here at the start. Hey, welcome in at the, at the beginning. Hey. I like it. Boy, CJ, good evening, everybody. Arby, what up, fam? Rich, you're coming in here. Hey, guys. F yeah. Let's go, Kings. Byfield will score in this series. Dang it. So, I. Yeah, so let's just start with the game in general. Okay, let's start with the the bad stuff, which was the first period. 
uh, pretty much just got waxed in every single category in, in the first period. Well, I think when they – let's start with the, the five-on-three, right? I, the team's not playing good five-on-five. Five. Takes a penalty, takes another penalty five-on-three. Automatically, I assume, okay, this game's one-nothing. Maybe two-nothing, you know, with, with this thing. We got we to be able to come out of here. What was you guys' thought process in there? Obviously, most likely they're going to score five-on-three. I figured that would happen. Uh, but what was your guys' thought process when we took both those penalties and, and where were your mindset was at that part of the game? Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, that first period pretty much was all Kings fans' fears coming to fruition, right? You had dry saddle just to open up the scoring. The the building was electric. Um, then sure enough, McDavid beats Dowdy. Dowdy has to take a penalty, especially after what Dowdy said earlier in the game, earlier in the day about trying to smack McDavid. So that didn't feel good. McDavid gets the puck again, beats Mikey Anderson, takes a penalty. That didn't feel good. They score on the power play on the five-on-three, go at the end of the first period, and it was just like – I mean, I, I saw it, Kings fans, that were they were pretty much calling it the series was already over. And, I mean, you, I couldn't really blame them because the way that the Oilers were playing, it just felt like, okay, McDavid's just going to turn it up for a whole nother level, a whole nother level. And if this is what it's going to be like for the rest of the game, if not the rest of the series, then – this is going to be pretty short, but we all know it's you play a full sixty minutes and and you don't win a game just in first period. So, uh, Joe, what you what you think about the first? Yeah, it was it, it was bad. I mean, and yeah, Rando when they went down five on three, just I, I had one chalked up on the board already. Like it, so when it went in, it was like okay, not it is what it is. <laughs> you knew that you that was coming. wasn't wasn't concerned. It's a long game. Um, and it was really all about how the Kings were going to respond off of that because, yeah, the first period looked like the Edmonton team that everybody has been talking about recently. They were they were dominant. They were big. They were fast. They were good defensively. They created dangerous chances. Dry title was a man amongst boys. Um, they were really good. Um, but they kind of expected that first period at home. They're buzzing right now. They've been playing great hockey. Um so I, I didn't really expect anything less. Um, and I credit to the Kings. I'm sure we'll get into it later. But, uh, you know, the rest of the game was good. But, yeah, the first period was was certainly not good. Um, but luckily it was the you know probably the worst of the bunch. Yeah, you're looking at it. I mean, there was panic among our group chat, the people calling, saying we didn't deserve to be here and all this kind of – it's like, man, like people freak out game one, first period. And obviously, hey, if you looked at listen to our last episode, we both – we both think Edmonton's a good team. We both think that they, I mean, I didn't think they'd come out that on fire, but they're going to, they're going to have great periods. I mean, what game two, we said last year, they won by, you know, four or something goals. So it just really, we got to kind of, kind of got to temper expectations and realize it is a full 60 minutes, but man, you can't help but to go there. You can't help to go, Oh, Hey, we have both two of our main players injured. It's two nothing already. Oh my god! Like this, we're, it's going to be four and out because we were injured here and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I understand that, but this team's got some grit. This team fights back all the time. Um, you know, I, I didn't think that I didn't guess that we would win that game after two nothing. I was like, hey, I'm not I'm not calling the series yet, but I'm just saying yeah. it felt that way. It felt like they came out and just punched you in the mouth. But mm-hmm. I forget who that person said. It's like it's not a fight until I get. I don't get warmed up until I get hit in the face. You know, I think it's I don't know if it's Mike Tyson or whatever and. Um, it, but it's just like, hey, you got to you got to warm up. You got to take the punch. You got to take the lumps. And, and the team fought back. And I think they did a good job of what we talked about is 
uh, or at least my keys, uh, power play uh, stepped up when needed. They uh, counterpunched uh, at, at opportune times in the game, whether it was physically or on, on the scoreboard. They didn't seem like they backed down, even though they are undersized. So I felt like overall in the game, they did what they needed to do to get the W. And obviously a few, uh, you know, timely, uh, timely goals, um, some disallowed uh, goals on, on Edmonton's end, which were, you know, clear as day, which helped us out. Um, and, and execution on the power play when we really needed it uh, gets uh, gets the Kings up one nothing. Yeah, so, I thought the first – sorry, sorry, Renan. No, I thought no, the first I said, 40 minutes, um, even after the first period when it looked like the Oilers just kind of run away with it, I think to get out of that period just even down to was a huge win for the Kings. And then the second period, it was all about just kind of letting Edmonton just kind of dictate play a little bit, but don't give up too many, like – high opportune chances and then just stay in the game, stay in the game. And that's sure enough. I, I felt really good actually after the second period was over, because if you can hold the Oilers to no goals in a period, that's a win. And mm. obviously the Kings didn't score, but you go into the third period. I mean, it, it just kind of sucked the way that period ended because I, I followed, took that penalty to negate the power play that would have kind of lasted into the third period. But I mean, sure enough, after that second period, I, I felt pretty good. And then Adrian Kempe, dude, I mean, this guy's a dog, man. I mean, I'm just the way he's kind of blossomed into this like premier goal scorer in the NHL. Like last year was no fluke, obviously. We saw it this year with the 41 goals. And to come out in this game, that first goal he scored was just so filthy. I mean, the 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 puck handling going into the zone, the backhand. I mean, it's weird too, because we never really see Kempe score in the backhand this year either. And so that goal was just beautiful in itself. And it, it kind of was unfortunate because Dry Saddle kind of got the momentum back. But yeah, Kempe just didn't let up. And we saw him with another beautiful, beautiful tally to uh, make it a one goal game. I don't want to be too hyperbolic here because um, it is, it's game one and it's a long, long series. But when I look back to that Kempe goal, because up until then, like it was, it was all Edmonton, and it never really felt like the Kings were going to win this game. I, I never had that feeling. Like this one just isn't happening. They can't create a thing, and there's nothing happening. And if you think about what led up to that goal, it was a two-on-one break, and Gavrikov makes, you know, depending on what. Again, I don't want to go too crazy about, but depending on what how the rest of the series goes, makes what could go down as the biggest play in this series with the diving poke check to intercept the pass it gets turned around it goes the other way matt roy makes the play that leads to the goal by just he dishes it to to kempe and then goes right to the net he draws the defenseman to him opens up that high slot kempe skates into it with a gorgeous goal off the backhand but if if roy doesn't do that the goal doesn't happen but the play by gavrikov if you think about it that could have just as easily been three nothing and it's over you know it's curtains at that point if if that goes in the net on the two on one but he breaks that up it goes the other way and like you said dry did get one back but at least it showed the kings like okay hey we we have something here have a little life we were able to put one in so i think that helps to respond when dry title scored to make it three one knowing that they had that in there it's just a huge play, and what could go down is a huge play in this series, depending on how uh, how the series goes. Yeah, it's, I think you're looking crazy at too. Sorry, sorry, just real quick. It's, it's crazy too because 
I, I think it like it almost kind of became like a mental thing in terms of with Skinner in that because even if you look back at the last two games against Skinner, the one goal that they scored was Victor Arvidsson's kind of like fl- fluttery slap shot from the blue line. So you hadn't really seen the Kings really generate a really nice goal against Skinner until that Kempe tally. So I wonder if that opened up a little bit of a mental block for LA. I think you're looking at, uh, you know, Kevin Weeks talked about it a little bit on, uh, I got to give him credit for coming on all the Kings men. He talked about the goalie advantage and what Skinner's good at and not good at. Um, and Kempe, he said like he he's susceptible from the dots out. Like when you get really close in his big body, his big frame, he's very agile within the crease and those tap-ins and stuff like that don't often go in unless they're game tying ones in game one. But, you know, that flutter was from outside the dots, like the backhanded shot, it was high. It was kind of an awkward spot for him. So it was kind of, mm-hmm. do you go shoulder and punch it up? Do you kind of, you know, step out or try to make the play? I think it was kind of an awkward spot, caught him kind of in between uh, in his positioning. And so uh, it, it was just something that goes in. He's susceptible from that range. I I want to go into a little bit of, of the emotion. Obviously, the emotion's high in this game all the time. Kings never coming out of it. I thought there were some key moments there. You looked at Nurse when he cross-checked you. Dowdy wasn't called. Hit him right up, even though the puck was well gone away. And you you could easily have seen Drew go in and, and go after him or do something like that for something to play like that. He just kind of let it go, walked off, wasn't called, and they moved on. You talked about it, being able to answer physically when needed, and he did eventually. He came back, hit Connor McDavid in an area that he was – it was purely legal, set the tone, and didn't react to a play that was maybe a little bit after the puck had left or anything like that. So I thought it was good that you see – some of the times where the, the team comes in and protects their own. And I think they made some good opportunities of, of the physicality uh, when needed. What do you guys think about the overall tone uh, of the game in that aspect? Yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, we had kind of talked about that. The Oilers were going to bring this physical game because they're not afraid to muck it up a bit to maybe have some skirmishes after the whistle, create those maybe four and four opportunities because that's where they excel. So any chance they get to kind of get the Kings to retaliate or maybe even take a dumb penalty. I mean, they were going to, they were going to take the chance to, to make it, make it happen. And sure enough, I mean, you have to give a ton of credit to the Kings because you kind of look at the the few penalties that they took and it was really more or less like kind of desperation plays. I mean, that Mikey Anderson penalty against McDavid. I mean, you're, you're obviously going to try to hold him. It is what it is. Same thing with Drew Doughty before that. But yeah, I mean, like you mentioned with, with the Drew Doughty uh, cross-check that he took from Nurse. I mean, yeah, you, Doughty just, he talked about it. He's like, he, he, I remember him talking to Carlin Baith before the game. He, he had mentioned that he just needs to keep his emotions in check. And we, we've seen Drew Doughty, especially when he was younger in the playoff runs, where you get this really emotional Drew Doughty, just is always like yelling at the officials, maybe getting involved with players and stuff like that. But we haven't seen that in the last couple of years. Um, and it's kind of made him almost a better player for it. And to have him just available for the entire game, especially not in the box, when he's not involved in those plays and, and those those fights, whatever. I mean, that's huge because you you need. I mean, we we've, we've already seen in just game one the impact that a player like Dowdy can make on this team that they didn't have last year. Yeah, just we, we talked about Randon earlier with with you know maybe some fan overreaction early on. You need to control your emotions as a player too because you, yeah, you can't afford to go to the box against Edmonton. They're going to make you pay. Um, so I thought from that point the Kings to handle it pretty well actually. I mean, you figure. You know, they go down 2 nothing on the road. They couldn't handle that any better. There's a, you know, Edmonton scores to go back up 3-1, handled it great. 
you know, the Edmonton scores. I know it got disallowed, but there's that brief buzz in the crowd after the the overtime goal that they got disallowed. So they 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 handled it well. And when you have guys like Kopitar and Dowdy, who's who's handling it the way he is, and then obviously Alex Adler's a stalwart back there from a veteran standpoint. Philly Dino, like so they got the guys that can kind of handle that, right? So that was huge. I mean, and that's that's massive. Um, you know, I th- I think um, I mean at the end of the day, overall, it's huge to get to get the two points, right, or two two points to get the win. Um, but you know, hopefully that that there's going to be they're able to generate a little bit more in the upcoming game in game two, because I listen, there was a struggle. This isn't, you don't want to play this way every single game. I think they, they had to a bit today or last night, I should say, um, because Edmonton came out like a house on fire and they probably will again. And I'll probably be a broken record about this whole, you know, they have to bend, not break against Edmonton because I think Edmonton is a better team. They're a better skilled team. They're bigger, faster, stronger team. Um, but LA did a good job at countering that. And I think they played the way they played in this bend don't break because they know how good Edmonton is. Um, but hopefully we can at some point start to see the Kings create a little bit more offensively because it's it's going to be tough to be on your heels as much as they are for an entire series and expect to win. It worked for game one. They did the job. Fantastic. And at the very least, they're going to chance to get out of here with a split and maybe even better. But hopefully they're going to have to you're going to have to play on the front foot and a little bit more in Edmonton's zone as they go forward. Who was playing in, Who was playing on the front foot all game long was Anze Kopitar, big four points. Uh, the captain, you know, coming up huge um, and when needed. Uh, that first line looked great. I think they accounted for, uh, I think it was over six points, if I remember correctly, but phenomenal job. Uh, well, definitely over six points because Kempe's on that line too, yeah. So, Phenomenal job coming and answering the bell. And, and I know they were paired against the dry saddle line majority of the game and the Deneau line was paired against the McDavid line. But uh, I just thought that it, they played well. And, and Russ, you put it as one of your keys to the game or not the keys to the game, but the, you know, the, the tweet, the tweet after the tweet, the next morning tweet that uh, QB was something that that, that, that played really well uh, in that game. Um, got an assist for it. What did you see from him in that first line in general? Well, it's, it's, it's crazy because the- – there was really nothing to like from a Kings fan point of view for the first two periods or so. But I mean, the only thing I really, I really enjoyed was watching Quentin Byfield just fly around the ice. I mean, he was really one of the only players for the Kings that was moving his legs just constantly. Every time he got the puck, every time he was on the ice, he was just definitely noticeable every time you saw him. And I, I think I, t- I mentioned it to Joe too yesterday is, we're seeing him kind of grow a little bit of a sandpaper to his game too. I mean, he he was definitely willing to throw the body around, which and and not afraid to get into these little skirmishes after the whistle or whatever. So it's just so crazy to think about. I mean, he's only 20 years old, and he. I mean, there was a certain play too. He was just kind of messing around with Darnell Nurse, who's this mm-hmm. 9.5 million dollar player, and he 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 doesn't care. He's he's here. He's built for it. So. I just love, and that's why I mentioned it. He just does not look out of place, and that's that's huge because I, I know some people are joking around that he's had more points than Stutzla already, but it's it's just more than that. It's just he's getting the experience already. I mean, he had the experience already last season, so he's coming into this playoff experience or this playoff series with he's not new. He's not a greenhorn to this, so he's been here before, and he's showing it on the ice. And and that the little if it wasn't for that little tap he had over to Kempe to kind of. Uh, get Kempe the the puck uh, on that uh, the second goal that the Kings scored 
yeah, I mean, he he made the play there, and it's good to see him kind of grow his game a little bit more, even though he's not scoring. Hopefully we see that come a little bit later. Yeah, I had a piece uh, that came out uh, during the day yesterday about players to to kind of watch on the Kings outside of the obvious, like obviously Kopitar, Deneau, and their matchups, and Anderson, Dowdy, and the goalies. But uh, Byfield is one of them uh, because he's thrust into the top line role. He's moved to the wing, but this is a whole different animal now. Come playoff time, you're starting on the road against a, a really, really good Edmonton team, and how does he handle that, right? How does he handle that from an offensive standpoint? He's obviously going to have huge defensive responsibilities playing against that team and that either one of those two lines, whichever one they were to be out there against. Um, I thought he was, he was engaged. He was really good, um, and hopefully that continues. And another player that I had on that list – and um, I am I am absolutely going to give credit where credit is due. I thought Gavrikov was the best defenseman on the Kings last night. Um, he was really really good. I was admit, and we've talked about it for weeks. I was nervous because I expected Edmonton to go McDavid against Gavrikov, and that has gone really poorly um, leading up to. But it did not yesterday. He was great. I thought the first period he was bad, but I thought everybody was bad in the first period. So I wasn't you know he wasn't any more bad than anybody else. Um, but boy, that second and third, I thought again, Ben don't break playing within what he can do makes the great play in the poke check. I thought it was one of his better games, um, as a King, frankly, especially given the circumstances. So, um, four years, $5 million. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was really good. Um, I, I, and him, that pair was really good. Um, so I, I give, uh, I give him and Roy for that matter too, a lot of credit and, um, you know, we'll see how, how game two goes, but so far, so good there. Well, you know who else gets a lot of credit and will credit you with some money is DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings is the official sponsor of the Hockey Realty Podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down all your major actions for baseball, golf, MMA, and more, plus same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Your betting options feel endless. Gabe Velarde's rumored to be back. Are you going to have him in a goal and a Kings win and parlay that together? You can at DraftKings. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and you can deposit, withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions may apply. See show notes for details. All right, so let's let's get into a, a little bit more of, a, a, of the other players. Obviously, you high, we highlighted Q, the first line, scored most of the points. Where, where maybe some honorable mentions or, or some key moments in the game that you want to highlight before we go into the game two preview? Dude, I think... We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Victor Arvidsson. I mean, this this guy played a hell of a game. I mean, he was just – that's, I guess, that whole nice line just in general. I mean, if you could talk about Phil Deneau. I mean, he played 18 minutes of ice time against McDavid. You hold McDavid to zero points. That's, that's, a, that's a win in any game. But Arvidsson, that pass that he had to Philip Deneau in the tying goal was incredible. That's just – I wish I would have got like a better view of it, and because that sauce that he sent over on the backhand, especially in that moment in time of the game, and just for it to land straight on Phil Deneau's tape, and credit to No for receiving it too, and and getting the puck on net, 
that was, that was just an incredible play, and it just worked out so well. And Kopitar is right there to bend, uh, to bang it home. But then, then obviously, and then on the power play too to set up the game winner for I follow. I mean, it's just, it's just you you see that, like how other fans were talking about. Oh well, we we got the Kings last year in seven, but losing Dowdy. I mean, it, it's not it's it's kind of an excuse because that we we see what the impact Dowdy has, and you're seeing the impact that Arvidsson has on this team. And those are two huge losses for the Kings last year. And, man, that Arvidsson set up, too, on that power play goal. That's a play that they, I've seen them run in practice multiple times. And it's funny because I can't remember a time that it's actually work, worked during the regular season. But sure enough, it works on the best best moment uh, of the season so far. And Arvidsson just teed up Ayafalo. And Ayafalo even said himself he knew it was going in. So perfect play. Holden 92 comes in here with a comment before you get going, Joe. Pass from Arvidsson was nasty. I love the block shots from him. That's one thing that he yep. did. I think he was leading the team in block shots going to the third. Joe, what do you want to add to that, my man? I want to just touch on the power play because the first first couple, I just felt like there was no there, there was no slot threat, really. Um, and that's why I had said it after the two periods. I mean, there was just nothing going for the Kings at all after two periods. And I was on board with, you know what, maybe maybe shake it up on the power play a little bit just to try to create something more and kind of load up one. Um, they didn't end up doing that, obviously. They scored the, the game winner on a power play. But you look at the way they scored that goal. It was off of that set play where they're going. They set we and we've talked about it a million times now. Utilizing that bumper, going that low to high, going down below the goal line, and creating that triangle that was non-existent in the first period and a half to two periods, really. So, um, I think for the power play to be effective, they have to utilize that bumper. There's too many times where Ayafalo had his heels glued to the top of the crease. In the slot area and the high slot area was just vacant and it's very easy to defend and it's very easy for the killers to keep everybody at a perimeter when there's nobody in that slot area consistently so they switched that up briefly uh and then ended up um ended up paying off so um i thought that was just crazy that was with joe real quick that that goal line that low to high we haven't even seen that since velarde has been out right i mean it's kind of I mean, like like you mentioned. I mean, we yeah. see it throughout the early part of the game, but we haven't even seen it with, since Velarde left because that was always where he was at on the power play. Right. No, you're 100 percent right, and that's why I was like, you know, considering maybe because there was a couple of times where Arvidsson was, you know, again, it's, it can be fluid where things are moving, and Arvidsson was caught on the right circle, and there was a couple of times where mm-hmm. Kopitar went over to him, and it was just awkward, and I don't know that he was like quote unquote supposed to be there. It's just the flow of the things he ended up over there, but. You know, I, I in my like, let's let's switch it up. I had Byfield down low, but I was in between. I'm like, this could easily be Arvidsson below the goal line too. He's a really good passer. So whether it's Byfield or or, or Arvidsson, somebody down low below the goal line that can that they can utilize because you're right. I mean, it's been non-existent since since Velarde's been out, and if that's non-existent, the bumper's a, li- a little bit less of a threat because if they're, if you're not going low to high, it's again, it's easier for the killers to kind of focus on where the threat's coming from. And and there was a time when Ayafala was the down-low guy, and by being the down-low guy, he was just setting up shop at the top of the crease. That's useless. You know, it doesn't yeah. do anything in today's game. You know, you don't see the, the, that. That's 1995 hockey, so they switched it up. They put Arvidsson down low, make this up play, and and it's bang bang, and it, and it's a great finish by by Ifalo, obviously too. So, um, little tweak on a set play, and it was it was well done. Yeah, McClellan came in and said, you know, he said they asked him about the power play, and he said sometimes 
a team tries to go or with a game plan and get a certain thing going, you know, maybe a one-timer, you know, to Kempe or, or what have you. And maybe that's why they forced multiple passes over to Arvidsson, even though he was, you know, not set up for the one-timer. Um, and then when sometimes when that happens and you get frustrated that what you're trying to do isn't working, you kind of get this almost this ominous lull in the power play and, and where like everybody's trying to figure out what to do now. Uh, and sometimes you just got to get the shot going and, and get more momentum because shots create chaos and that creates movement. Um, and I thought that was well said by, by T-Mac. Yeah, it's I mean, like you just said, like it felt like the through the first couple of power plays that they had, people were just calling like just shoot the puck. And it was just because they were in their proper positioning. And it was felt like yeah. like Joe mentioned, too, is they were all kind of off in their in their usual spots on the yeah. power play. But then they yeah. kind of figured it out the perfect perfect spot but it's just it's just i mean just overall just kind of wrap up the game i mean you we can go i feel like i can go over like each player that had such an impact on the game in their own right i mean corpusala was a monster in net i mean just guy that guy if there was a question on whether he should be starting i mean there's no question you ride with this guy for the rest of the playoffs i mean just maybe even try to give him a contract for next season who knows but I mean, I thought he was a monster. Dursey played second most minutes among defensemen. I mean, Matt Roy was great. It's just Lazat was <laughs> drew that penalty in the, to end the game. I mean, even Kaliev and Kapari had their moments. I mean, just so many good plays. It was such a good team win. But we'll just see what happens in game two because it's going to be tough to play that type of game once again and let the Oilers just keep coming and coming and coming because they they won't quit and they'll eventually get their opportunities. And McDavid, he will too. Dursey played a lot, but it wasn't always good. Um, I, like the, <laughs> that that we didn't we'll, see any we'll, of those bad Dursey moments, right? We didn't see any. No, of those. we we didn't, we didn't get Dursey. Yeah, no, 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 we it, didn't. It, it that's was, right. Hey, anytime, that's a win in my book. Anytime we see Dursey on the ice, I'm I'm not meaning to put that necessarily on Dursey. It's just how many times have we talked about this Edler Dursey pair? It just doesn't work, and they were absolutely caved in yesterday. Well, it's crazy because I mean they were matching up McDavid against that pairing anytime they had at the early part of the of game. Of course they were anytime, which which makes tons tons of sense. And yeah. you know what's surprising too, Joe, real quick is we didn't really, I didn't really notice McDavid and Drysaddle on the ice together that often. I remember remember in the last playoff series they you saw them switch to that really early in parts of the game. Well, they I didn't really to. see that. Yeah, no, yeah. they're they're definitely they're definitely separated now, and it, they're more dangerous because of it, I think. But with especially when Drysaddle got hurt, it was really difficult for him to kind of carry the line last year, where he's healthy as a horse now, so he can he can run his own line. And that, again, that's what makes it tough is you're going to have you got to match up. It's it's McDavid with what Nugent Hopkins and Yamamoto, I think, and then Drysaddle and Kane together with Hyman. Like it's that's. That, that's what makes it so difficult is they're going to be separated most of the time. Obviously, the, there may be spots where they put them together, but for the most part, they are playing separate. Um, so the, 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 and I'm, I empathize with Jersey Adler because, you know, they're, they're good penalty killers, um, actually. Both of them are pretty good penalty killers. Two of the better penalty killers that the Kings have, at least in terms of I, I look at hockey viz and some of the, the expected goals against grades that he has with and without on the penalty kill. Those are probably the best two Kings defensemen, ironically. So it's really hard. Like the Paris five on five doesn't work. It, it, it just doesn't work. But they're two of the better penalty killers. You need all the penalty killing you can get against Edmonton. So 
how do you how do you do this? Or do you just say, you know what? Edmonton's going to get theirs on the power play. We have to be better at five on five. I kind of lean that way, um, and we could talk about that heading into game two if you want. But, but I mean, just so we're not, you know, I, I, the, the no line was a tough. It was a they, they battled, but it was, it was it was a tough one again for them against McDavid. I mean, they didn't give up anything, but they did live in their zone. Hopefully, they're able to bounce back and be a little bit better in the next game. And again, yeah, Edler Edler Jersey was was tough. Um, if we're being honest, I mean, they again. I, I I I don't know that it works. I don't know that it's it's something that you can count on long term, and I don't know that we'll see a change for game two coming off a win. But I guess we'll see. Before we get to game two, I want this question asked because it was something interesting. Rich Rich comes in. The fans getting warned about beer throwing uh, one more time, and it was a, de- a delay of game penalty. I I didn't hear that on the telecast. If that's true, uh, you know, let me know. But does that warning go away for next game? And what did you think of that whole incident of them throwing? beers and trash and everything on the line. I mean, it just seemed odd. Like I've never seen that before uh, at well, I mean, on yeah, TV it, or in person. It happened. Remember when, uh, was it the Islander game when they actually won and they were throwing beers on the ice? Yes. Was it a couple years ago? I mean, it happens. It is what it is. You, you get these fans. I mean, it's just unfortunate because you don't want to time in. I mean, just, just how we, we hear it from, from Edmonton, other fans, to Kings fans. You don't want to tie those bad apples in with the whole bunch. I mean, it is what it is. But, yeah, I wonder if if that happens. I mean, because we all saw the video of that beer getting pretty close to Kopitar at the end of the game. I mean, imagine if that hits him, and then who knows what happens. But it it's also happened in other sports, too. I mean, I remember the Kyrie incident when he got hit by a water bottle, and they tried to find the fan. I think they gave him a lifetime ban. So it's just you you have to try to find the fans. I mean, I don't – Maybe they give the, the team a delay game penalty. It, it, it's really rare. I don't know if I've ever even can remember that ever happening. But it's just you hope you can find the fan and isolate the the few individuals that are doing it. I'm pretty sure it does not carry over into the next game, by the way, though. So we just have to piss the fans off quite a bit early. for Well, or the referees do. Which the yeah, they <laughs> think that for some – I don't know why they're – I'm just glad that a lot of the Edmonton media that I was seeing, they weren't questioning the calls. I mean, it was just you mostly trip, just some of the fans. You have a cross-check to the fans. they were taking were, pe- were clear penalties. The the so cross-check to the more the Lazat, I mean, it is what it is. Sorry. And then the two just goal. Ayafalo got the stick up when the Kings had a power play, took away their power play. Dowdy takes the hook. You have Anderson takes the hold. Penalties for penalties. I, 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 I don't know. I didn't see. I mean, even both sides. I didn't see many penalties called like, that. I thought were missed on the Kings, or even some missed for the Oilers. I thought it was no. a really well refed game. To be honest with you, let's get into game number two. And and so the importance of game number two is one of the most important games of the series. Uh, you know, some stats thrown out by the the NHL. Um, you're looking at in a best of seven series, the winner of game two has gone to go 381 and 150 on winning the series, which is a 71% win percentage game one winners 69.1. So winning game two is, is if not more important than winning game one teams that have won both end up winning 87% of series. So this is a huge game uh, for the Kings to get out uh, out front last year. This was a game where, uh, where Edmonton just took it to us and even the series pretty well. So it's going to be something to see if we can set the momentum there. Let's start out with maybe what we can see differently. Obviously, the five-on-five five wasn't great for the Durs as Edler pairing. Do we see Walker? Do you think they change it up at all? Or do you think because we got the W, uh, they're going to stay with 
what what worked in in the previous lines. I'm skeptical that we see a change. Um, I, I really think because because I think Edler's and I think Edler's here to stay. Um, I, I think if he's healthy, he's in the lineup every game, which means it's either Dursey or Walker. And Dursey, the way he he's he is important to that second power play. So as much as Dursey Walker has performed significantly better at five on five um, than Edler and Dursey, I, I'm not expecting a change on the back end. Russ, I, I mean, I, I will say I didn't see anything from practice today that suggested otherwise. Um, I think it was an optional anyways. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what you think, Russ, but I, from a defensive standpoint, I think we see the same grouping. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, especially you're coming off a win. I mean, as much as they were hemmed in, you kind of want to keep, I guess, the momentum that they get off the win um, from it. And it's, it's weird because I wasn't really that surprised to see Edler in the game. I mean, no. we, we've kind of seen McClellan kind of go back to his horses, right? I mean, <laughs> he has this kind of fond notion toward Edler. And Edler obviously has the experience. So, And then to maybe to have Walker on playing that left side or Jersey playing that left side, maybe, I don't know, especially with the way that they were matching up McDavid, that would have been pretty tough for those two to defend. So maybe you get a little size, get a little uh, another player that's willing to block shots. So I, I thought those two, as much as they were hemmed in, like you, like that that phrase you keep using, they kept they bent but they didn't break. So yep. that's totally I'm totally fine with that. But hopefully we see a bigger impact in terms of uh, another lineup addition. The and I get it. Addition would good. Oh, you finish good. it up. I was just say I get it because again the, the tricky part with Adler is and Jersey for that matter is they are two really good penalty killers. Uh, relatively speaking, so it's it's it is tough, despite the fact that they are terrible five on five together, that they they do a good job on the penalty kill. I mean, on parts of the game, Edler looked like he had his skates on the wrong feet, like that. It just seemed like he was going so slow around there. But you know, you I guess we I guess with the day off, it's not a back to back. I could see them going with the same thing here. But what I was gonna get to was the the news of the day, the possible lineup change. Uh, Velarde was not or was skating in a non-red jersey today at the optional skate, and then was interviewed later saying that he is ready to go. Um, nobody's T-Mac hasn't said that uh, he's for sure playing. Velarde said he's ready to play. So you assume if he's ready to play, he's playing. Uh, that would be the lineup change. I think he slots in for Jared Ennis and Dolan. Do you guys have any No, I any, think any differences there? Or? No, I mean, I, I think you're totally right. I mean, it's if – We've talked about just even getting back one of Velarde or Fiala changes this forward lineup in terms of the bottom six just dramatically. I mean, you're able to put Velarde back with uh, Lazat on that third line, and then you're able to slide Kaliev down and take, like you said, probably slide out uh, Jared Anderson Dolan. So we've seen Lazat, Velarde, and I follow play pretty well together in, in times. And then Kaliev. I mean, you give him a little bit better of a matchup, maybe on the on the on the fourth line. You don't have to get him too much minutes, and then you get him some spot time on the power play. So, and just a little bit of a background on Velarde. I mean, yeah, McClellan hasn't come out and said, but I know Dooley mentioned it in his practice report that Velarde actually met the team last night. He didn't fly with the team originally, so the fact that he's flying with the team the night of makes it more or less likely that he's going to be in the game tomorrow. So. Huge lineup addition. Hopefully, maybe we see him uh, inserted right back into that power play spot on that first power play unit. Yeah, I mean, that's. I I hope he's back on the power play, and I hope he's put right next to to Blake Lazad again. I think, 
you know, again, Lazat's somebody that, that does a pretty good job with when it comes to shot contributions and shot assists, and he needs somebody on that wing to kind of help him out. And when he's had Velarde or when he's had Fiala, he's been that much better. And I think adding a guy like that to the to the middle bottom six, if you will, um, is, is going to be really big. I mean, we talked about the, it's going to be tough for the Kings top six to, to generate a whole lot of sustained pressure. I mean, look at the goals they scored. It was more off the rush. One was off a face off. So they're, they're not going to have a ton of sustained pressure. So they need those, those bottom six guys in that lineup. And, um, I think that that's going to go a long way. And Velarde, you know, he's graded out really well analytically from a defensive standpoint too. So he he's going to help in, on both ends of the ice. And that's, again, I want to temper expectations. They haven't played in a while. It's been a couple of weeks. So you're going to throw him back in a series against Edmonton. Like, it's, give, him, give him a game here to, to get back into it. But it is still, you know, a good solid addition for him to get back in the swing of things. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he played like more than 15 minutes or so. But I mean, just his size in general too on on that bottom yeah. six. That's gonna be huge because I mean they they didn't really have that that player that was that was able to kind of generate offense down low in the corners. So you're able to add Velarde, a guy who's what six three, two hundred fifteen pounds. I mean, that's definitely well, gonna help out with the maybe the size disadvantage that they have on the bottom six. Because look at look at that that that's a that Edmonton decor. They, I mean, there there's some big boys back there. Dayarnay's a yep. big boy. Um, Kulak's a big boy. I still think they're better with Broberg. I wonder if they put him out there. They're, I just think they're a better decor with him and with him out there too. Is that they're a little bit more skilled. Back he's there. also six four or five. He's a yeah. He's a big boy too. So yeah, I mean it's that you know you need to be able to physically be able to to have the strength to get through some of that stuff. So um, I, it's it's encouraging. And there's no doubt about it uh, that if, if he's back in that lineup. It, it was pretty funny to see Dayarnay be the one to trip Lazat, get beat by the shortest player on the Kings, and he's the tallest player on the Oilers. I mean, just Blake Lazat. Just it's always it's always Blake Lazat season, right? It's always Lazat season. Always Lazat season. <laughs> Ethan Adams comes in, or do you think that McEwen comes in for Jet at some point? I think with Velarde being back, that's his spot. I think McEwen is is, yeah. is, I, is I right there in the press box. Anyways, <laughs> um, so let's let's get into. Uh, a little bit of where we think the second game might be in the, the tone. Obviously, when it, you want to come out with a big start. You don't want to have to keep countering uh, this team. Maybe what are some keys that we didn't see in the first game that you would like to see and maybe the players that kind of initiate that for you? For me, they got to do a better job of, of getting out of their zone a little bit cleaner. I don't think they did a great job of that yesterday. Um there were some opportunities to get out of the zone and it was just, it was also easy at times for Edmonton to gain entry in the zone. Like they may not have garnered a ton of scoring opportunities off the direct zone entry, but they a lot of times were able to gain speed and get through the one, three, one a little too easily at times. I mean, again, I think they had, what did they, they had a 30 some percent Corsi and expected goals, both of them, the LA, Kings had so they spend a significant amount of time in their own zone so they have to do a better job at slowing uh, Edmonton down through the neutral zone and then when they are in the zone they've got to do a better job of getting pucks out a little bit cleaner and a little bit more efficiently and getting them controlled exits I should say and that you're getting to your wingers your forwards with possession so they can go the other way because again you can't have Edmonton have 60 65 percent possession time through the course of a series and expect to win the series. 
you have to play a little bit more in their zone than LA did. And, um, you know, I think that starts, that's going to start in the back end and getting out of the zone a bit, a bit more efficiently. Holden 92 agrees with you. Need cleaner breakout passes in game two. Yeah, I totally agree with pretty much everything Joe said. I mean, the only thing I'll mention (laughs) is just stay with the plan and stay in discipline. I mean, that pretty much won you the game, right? I mean, they didn't really score much at a two for six on the power play, but they didn't give up a lot of power play opportunities. So just keep staying disciplined. Don't get involved in all those skirmishes that all those fights that Edmonton wants to get going after the whistle. Um, we, we even saw that on the Trevor Moore interference play where I forget which de- defender it was for the, the um, Oilers, but he just wanted to keep going at him after the whistle, but Moore was smart. And, and you just want to keep seeing that, that, uh, high hockey IQ, right? Just just don't get involved in any of that stuff that the Oilers are going to try to goad you into because that's going to lose you. That's what's going to lose you the game. So just keep with uh, the discipline and then hopefully you can generate a little bit more offense. And then, add, I mean, we like we just talked about, adding Velarde is just going to be a huge offensive impact to this team that hopefully maybe brings a little bit more skill uh, to the power play and to the bottom six. And even if you're not, even if, even if you're, you're not like, generating a ton of scoring chances or finishing in the offensive zone if you're just spending more time there like the best way to and this is why i don't like the bend don't break method or style because eventually against these guys you're going to break and you're going to have a game where you lose you know six one we talked about that russ right where that's going to happen because eventually you do break and there's just no stopping at the floodgates open and those guys are too good you have to play more in their zone you have to play more in the front foot so um, I'm I'm very happy, obviously, with game one win. I think I said it to you earlier, Russ. I'm, I I take this from Daryl Sutter ever since I heard him say it the first time. I'm very much park and ride. That one's over with, and it means virtually nothing at this point. Game two is a totally different animal. Nothing from game one carries over into game two for me as a fan. You got to take care of business game two. It doesn't matter. And whatever happens game two, win or lose, you had home one one or two nothing. means nothing. Go home and win that game. Yeah, you just have to just forget about it, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just glad they went through this whole situation mm-hmm. last year because they won first game in dramatic fashion, then they got blown out in the second game. So they know that. They've been through this before, so just don't get complacent. It's a long series. Hopefully you can come up with two. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't be satisfied with just one win. I think my key of the game is going to be the first period uh, last year. And yeah. you learn, learn from history. Last year, Edmonton came out to play and, and just caved us in in game two. Uh, they're going to look to – I mean, getting him – losing a lead like that in game one, uh, losing in overtime, taking those penalties, whether you're embarrassed, whether you're upset, whether you're emotional, whether you're pissed off, Edmonton's going to come out to play in the first period. Um, and, you know, I think – the way whether the Kings take it on the chin uh, and it's, you know, one nothing or zero zero or they flip it around and are able to have a lead after the first period, it's going to be huge. I think the first period is going to be the biggest, uh, maybe not indicator of how the game's going to go, but I think it's going to be huge for the, the atmosphere uh, because, I mean, if Kings go up one nothing in the first period, they're already, the Edmonton's already down 1-0. What do fans start to think? They start panicking. Players or you know, it's like just kind of a little bit of extra anxiety, a little extra pressure um you know I, you know you don't know what's in mcdavid's head obviously you know quelled some demons by actually getting out of a out of a series but you know to be a generational talent and you know having that pressure to win multiple cups 
got away on a guy and you know, you gotta, they gotta produce. That's what they're here to do. They're the favorites in the Western conference. Uh, and this first, um, this first period is going to be huge. Let me ask you, Randon, or and Russ too, obviously, because I was thinking about this. You've got everybody talks about let's get the split on the road at least. You've got your split in the bank. Do the Kings and I just talked about at some point they have to try to spend more time in the offensive zone. They can't just sit back and and let allow this to happen. Like, do you come out? and punch them first and and you know what maybe for the first five ten minutes and i understand you don't want to get into track meet with edmonton but do you push that pace on them and jump them early to to randon's point they're feeling a little pressure they're down one in the series they blew two two goal leads like is this an opportunity for the kings to jump them get out on the front foot early rather than invite edmonton and go on the counter i think Brandon, I, I, yeah, Randy, you go ahead. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's a good opportunity, and and with you're looking at uh, you know multiple people the way we play, the playing with uh, good off the rush is good with the lead because uh, you're able to continue to, to make that counter, and when you're countering when the puck is mainly in your zone, um, you're you're taking that more opportunities, more opportunities, and and we can pot some home. I mean. Obviously, Fiala's not playing, but with Fiala and Velarde, we have the best third line probably in the league, right? So with adding Velarde there, you're going to be able to spread out the, the minutes. You're not going to have to have Jared and Dolan playing, what, four minutes a night. You're going to be able to spread all that kind of stuff out. And when the Kings start rolling three, four lines, uh, you better watch out because they're just as dangerous as any other team. And that starts with setting the tone because we've seen the, the big games with the Kings where they come out, uh, you know, those four-period games, the one that I saw in L.A., came out quick they came out hot they dominated the time on ice and then they put some home early and when that team starts getting some confidence you know you start you start seeing the damage they can do on the offensive side of the puck and they need to come out early and i don't know if that's just going to be a, a big hit i don't know if it's going to be you know something along the lines of a, a of a key face off in the zone uh but somebody's gonna have to step up and i think joe you're right the first five ten minutes are going to be key uh more than even more than just the first period alone yeah, they're definitely gonna be turning up the physicality because that's really when they're they're they were at their best uh, in the last game. So I expect them to come out the gates flying just like they were in uh, game one. Um, <laughs> it sucks. You just kind of want to. I, I hate to say it, but you just kind of want to weather the storm at this point again. So I, I don't know. It's it's tough because it, it did work. I mean, obviously they were hemmed in their zone a lot, but I, I do wonder if Edmonton's gonna be pushing a little too much. Maybe. Maybe uh, taking a little uh, some more of those bad uh, reckless penalties that they were taking, because yeah, all it, all the pressures on Edmonton right now. All mm-hmm. the pressures on Edmonton, even coming before the the Kings won in Game One, the pressure was on Edmonton. They're the the favorites out of the West, and it, 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 they looked like it for the first forty minutes or so, but the Kings turned it up. And now coming into Game Two, I mean, I can only imagine uh, what's going through McDavid's head and and the rest of the Oilers and, and the fans too. I mean, they're if, if they go down 2-0, I mean, the Kings have a real huge opportunity here, and I just hope they can kind of stick to their game, stay disciplined, and take advantage of their opportunities because that that's what they did in game one, and hopefully that they can uh, replicate that again in game two because 2-0 coming back to L.A. That's right. I, know it's not, I know it's not panic mode yet for Edmonton, but if you were Edmonton, would you put Drysaddle and McDavid on the same line for the first five, ten minutes to see if they can – Get the momentum, or are you think they're not? I would go. Yeah, I would go to it earlier. I would go to it like they did. They did it last year, and it worked really well for them. 
I know they're they're better they're in, in terms of depth, but when they're those two are on the ice together, they're pretty much unstoppable. When you I, goal, I, 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 I don't know. I don't think they have to. I mean, it was think about it, it was three one midway through the third. They had a two goal lead kind of fairly late in that game. Like if anything for me, I thought that I felt they could have pushed a little bit more. And actually, lo- looking at natural stature, they actually throttled LA in that second period more than it felt like watching it, really, which I, it didn't feel like it watching it, but evidently they did. But I, I'll, be, I, like, I'll be curious, but Joe, real quick, I'll be curious to see, like, let's say they get an offensive zone penalty, uh, power, uh, face off, offensive zone face off against like yeah. other, the other jerseys. Sure. Send yeah, maybe, out maybe a situation like that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. that, and that, that would make a ton of sense because, again, like, it, they weren't they weren't struggling to create chances. They weren't struggling to create zone time. They were getting it. So I don't think that they have to do that yet. I think if they go down a goal, you know, something like that, random, then maybe that starts they, you know, push those buttons. And I guess the, the last thing I'll say on on why I keep going back to spending so much time in your own zone is it's tiring when you're in your own zone and defending all the time it's so then to expect the team that you're spending 10 20 30 seconds in your own zone you're not going to score in a counter off a rush you're gassed so that's why I, I keep harping on it where it's just it's, it's a lot it's much more difficult to play in your own zone and defend and then to be expected to go back and create something off the rush it's tough to do yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting here. Um, you know what they do and and where they go with with the whole thing. Um, you know Edmonton's deeper than they were last year. They might not have to go as early as they did with Drysaddle uh, and McDavid. I would I, I agree with Russ that they maybe should look into doing more situational stuff as far as taking a a face off in in the uh, in the offensive zone and trying to capitalize on some things there. It'll be interesting and and how the how the Kings counter. Hopefully Velarde can help that power play be more consistent. Um, and and look what it looked like towards the end of the game rather than the beginning. Uh, but appreciate you guys for coming in here. Um, hey, a couple of weeks ago we said, hey, these these uh, these recaps are going to be about 20, 30 minutes. Uh, you can't stop these boys from talking Kings hockey. Uh, and thank you guys for coming in the chat and and talking. I think that game was worth it. Yeah, we're going to be yeah. trying to uh, we're going to be trying to do these after every single game. We'll see how the schedules turn out. Uh, you know, so that way you guys can uh, check it out. If you're obviously live, you're watching this on. Tuesday night, but this will be out Wednesday morning uh, for everybody else. Uh, this is the first part of a doubleheader. We got another episode coming up. Me and Kyle Garcia talking about the rain playoffs, uh, yeah. which is pretty much going to be me interviewing Kyle because the fact that uh, I watched maybe two or three games, but he does an excellent job and he's going to give you all the the notes going on for your boys there. Uh, so another the rematch, another another playoff yeah. rematch. Playing, yeah, if you're uh, not if you're not following if you're not following Kyle Garcia guy does a tremendous job covering the rain he's pretty much your go-to for rain coverage on uh twitter it's at kopitar uh the number four hof um give him a follow i mean the rain have they have an important playoff series coming up too hopefully they go on a long run because it'd be great to see some of those young players get some experience down there too so it would, be, it would be great to see the Clark train back in LA for some AHL playoffs. That's what it would. That's what it would be good. Yeah, exactly. So let's see that Calder Cup uh, train go a little bit longer. That rain train go, and then we'll get the Brant Clark train right next to him. We'll see him going together. There we go. There we go. Uh, as always, you can find all of our articles coming out at hockeyroyalty.com. All of our Twitter handles, Twitter handles are scrolling across the bottom. Eight at hockey underscore royalty at Randall Commando twenty four at NHL Russell at JW. 
Paterino. DraftKings code is always THPN. Thank you guys for always for coming in the chat, man. Kings are buzzing. We're buzzing. Uh, playoffs up one nothing, boys. Up one nothing. Let's make it two nothing tomorrow night. And as always and forever on this podcast, go Kings go. <laughs>